listening to CITR 101.9 FM. It's like having a clown in your head. Welcome home, Mr. Wilson. My name is John. I've been assigned to help you. Afterward, I'll try to clear up any point on which you may have curiosity. The bath is through here. I'll unpack these for you later. Will you be here, um, John, sir? For as long as you need me. The company is fully aware that you may have problems at first and will spare no effort to help you solve them. Yes. Good evening, and welcome to CITR and its new home, Inside the Nest. Oh, you just heard there, <clears throat> well, it was just a bit of dialogue, uh, along with Jerry Goldsmith's score from the 1966 film Seconds, a sci-fi drama directed by John Frankenheimer and starring Rock Hudson about a man changing his identity to improve his happiness, though of course, there are chilling consequences from that. And uh, from what we heard in the excerpt of the dialogue there, Hudson is being introduced to his new home in Malibu, looking like Rock Hudson, because he wasn't before, slightly disoriented with his change in situation. Which is very apt for what I'm dealing with right now as I'm getting settled here closely in our new home in CITR. But before anything else, let me tell you, in the background, this is Dirty Beaches, off last year's Stateless album, featuring long-form ambient works as an apparent final release under that alias, this track is displaced. Another feeling that I'm definitely having right now, beer. So welcome to a new age of exploding head movies. You're a cinematically inspired program here found on UBC's. Well, we're still unpacking here, but uh, we are very much so a live community radio station. This is CITR, the voice of UBC here. 101.9 FM in Vancouver. And we broadcast at 590 watts here from the new student nest here on the unceded Musqueam territory where the main campus is. We broadcast to the lower mainland of British Columbia here in Canada. Elsewhere, 
but also here. You can find us on the web at www.citr.ca. My name is Gak, and I'll be helping to start things off here in our new home for the next couple of hours. Pardon the tardy start to everything, but uh, someone didn't promptly orient himself with the station when it came for his own little custom wares, so... As well, too, there's a new mixer to get used to everywhere else. So pardon the tardiness, as I said. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple bumps here for the inaugural show in our new home here. Room LL502. New address is 6133 University Boulevard here in Vancouver, British Columbia. Postal code remains the same. V is in Victor, 6T is in Tango, 1Z is in Zebra or Zulu, 1. You're in the lower level underneath the pi R squared. My name is Gak. As I said, phone number at the station... For those of you listening live, is 604-822-2487. I think it works, but at this point, I am going to be really figuring everything out on the fly, so pardon me if I do not answer the phone, especially as I'm right now kind of operating off of one device here. But we're still working out some kinks. It takes time. It's kind of like when you move to a new place and you find out, oh, how does the stove work, or why am I locked outside? But if you have any questions, you can email me, radiofreegack at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at 100air. And Exploding Head Movies is also on Facebook, Tumblr. And I keep saying Google+. Plus. It is there. I haven't posted much in a while there, but we'll figure it out. So, as indicated last Saturday, around 2 p.m., a parade was led by the jazz show's Gavin Walker and his trusty saxophone as we bade adieu to our old home in the Student Union Building for over 40 years. We made our move here to the Student Nest. Uh, helping to score the festivities were live performances from acts like Sur and Plage and TV Ugly. But there was an important sacred blessing from one of our nearby indigenous nations just to make sure everything starts off on the right foot. And uh, we're not stepping on anyone's toes. So along with that, the long-rumored but finally available compilation gathering vintage performances for artists such as Julie Duaron, Cub, and Young Braised here at CITR over the years was finally made available. So I remember some of the fun drive uh, pledges were tied to issuing a cassette for those who pledged a certain amount. Well, the sub-pop, referring to the SUB for the Student Union Building, I think is now available. So I'll figure things out here. But um, again, the promise profile that I was playing for this week has been postponed because there's some more news in the music world. So uh, the film composer James Horner died late last Monday after my show. Uh, He crashed his plane somewhere in California. So this week we'll hear a trio of some of his music from film. So along with the sweeping music from the 1994 film Legends of the Fall, there's music from his Oscar-nominated score to the 2001 A Beautiful Mind. And then just for some extra menace and a little bit of cool cachet, we'll go back to 1986 for the quirk work he did for James Cameron's Aliens. We'll touch upon some of the controversy that Horner scores have had in their composition, but as it stands... He did work hard, he worked on many films, and his music often made the films as time passes. But we'll kick off things here with sounds of movement as we spend a good portion of our time here uh, trying to figure out how things work. Nothing as great as, you know, stumbling in late from work, racing to get here, getting comfortable and then realizing, where do I plug in? But uh, I got something going here. I may have to filter some things out throughout the show, but I'll do what I can. But uh, we'll go with one of the latter singles that LCD Sound System released prior to their 2005 self-titled debut. Grabbed many of the songs that the DFA Act built its reputation on in old New York when I lived there. And they were odd at first. 
because we noticeably knew them as producers for stuff like the Juan McLean and then the Rapture. But then they lost their edge, and you're trying to figure out, was this sustainable? As we know now, they became perhaps the seminal band of its time. So from LCD Sound System, we'll start off with movement. And as your programmer, I instruct you now to move here on Exploding Head Movies, CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver, www.citr.ca. In our new home, I can actually look outside, but I'll tell you about my new experiences later on the show as I slowly get settled. Let's get moving. Small place to a bigger city. 
Make way for the livables, the all-new concept in living. crossfade on the new system the show is now automatically 50 percent better uh we heard lcd sound system first off there with movement as part of that set then we heard a short snippet from the mars production library 
as the crossfeeder experiments were happening. And what the Mars Production Library did is they allowed radio stations in the 60s to quickly and cheaply have some pre-canned material for their own ads department. So we heard there was New Homes 2. And for those curious, New Homes 1 consists of a purely instrumental version of that jaunty living piece. Then we went back to 2001 with I Am the World Trade Center off their album Out of the Loop. That was Move On. I Am the World Trade Center formed in 1999 by Kindercore co-founder Daniel Geller and his then-girlfriend Amy Dykes when they moved from Athens, Georgia to New York City. And their poppy songs contrast with the electro-clash scene at the time. But of course, when 9-11 happened, uh, their band name took on some unintended resonance. They shortened their name briefly to I Am the World, but until their 2002 follow-up, The Tight Connection, when they reclaimed the full name. And in 2004, Dykes discovered she had Hodgkin's lymphoma and required treatment, but in the end, she healed. And a third but then final album, The Cover-Up, was released in 2005 because Kindercore went bankrupt and the band went dormant. But as I was researching what was going on for this week, I'm the World Trade Center, did reunite for some shows in their home state last year. And behind me, this is Keith Mansfield with The Beat Moves On, providing a neutral repetitive underscore from the 1972 KPM 1000 series compilation, Life is for living something that you should all aspire to so one of the most immediate benefits right now of CITR's new home is uh, I can actually see outside sure there actually is a grassy knoll as I sort of look over the amphitheater at this point but uh, I can see sunlight coasting in and thankfully uh, also in light here as well too uh, we actually have a good air system now because sometimes the old studio at the sub well, everybody either gets stuffy or suddenly the air conditioner would magically work and then try to catch up for months of quality problems that way. Just kind of handy with our smog alert right now. So, at this point, uh, let's uh, have a couple other songs about nests here since our new home is the uh, AMS student nest here on UBC. And we'll start off with Glasgow, Scotland's Sons and Daughters. I recall loving the energy off of their 2008 album, This Gift. Though I should really tuck into their f- debut in 2001 when they played with Arab Strap and Morrissey. However, at this point, sons and daughters are no more since they uh, dissolved in 2012. From, so from This Gift, this will be the sons and daughters with The Nest here on CITR, 101.9 FM in Vancouver, where we are inside our own new nest.
from the northern village of Salouet, Quebec. That was Whoopso, spelled W-H-O-O-P-S-Z-O. And that track was they built their nests in the chimneys of my heart, the swallows you have lost. And that appears off last year's first part of a thus far two-part release. And this part was called Kalunat, Q-A-L-L-U-N-A-A-T. And by the grace of the Ontario Art Council, Whoopso collaborated with Inuit Youth, who took part in both performance and along with the packaging of the band's latest lo-fi explorations, as indicated on the band camp site associated with the out-of-sound label out of Guelph. And you can apparently catch part of them tomorrow, Tuesday, June 30th, at the Abbotsford Arts Council, where they're reported to be joining Fountain, Mauno, and Gianna Lauren, but then information about that event is rather sketchy since the Art Council's website has nothing listed for that date. But there's some material on Songkick. Bandcamp seems to at least provide enough information to sort of confirm what's going on, but uh, probably best give the Abbotsford Arts Council a shout and determine what's really going on that way. Now, in the background, this is the Chemical Brothers with a B-side authored 1999 single, Out of Control, and this is Power Move. And that is what we did here at CITR. We did our own power move here into our new home in the student nest. You're listening to one of them. Yeah, let's slow that down. You're listening to 101.9 FM here in Vancouver. This is CITR 101.9 FM, UBC Campus Radio. Uh, where things occasionally go right. But, you know, we have new microphones. At least I'm able to still stand and speak that way and provide the usual level of energy. And yes, now we can find out if I'm solar-powered or not. Wish I could tell you the weather otherwise, but I think it's still hot, still smoggy, still a little bit of air coverage there. Honestly, it feels a little bit like a southern Ontario summer. Good and bad. Uh, Let's take a band from Halifax here, who will be in town shortly. Monomyth. They continue on a short North American tour after hitting many other Canadian dates. And perhaps if you were in Sled Island, Calgary this past weekend, you caught them there. Tonight they play at Fernando's in Kelowna. They also have a July 2nd show in Victoria at Logan's Pub as part of Goat Fest. The most valuable to most listeners, like you, is that tomorrow, Tuesday, June 30th again. Monomyth will be playing the Astoria. And joining them will be Nap Eyes, Supermoon, Cave Girl, the Ace Martins, and a band that we will hear shortly after this song off of last year's Saturnalia Regalia album. This will be Monomyth with Downer. And believe me, we are totally positive about our new home. We're just kind of like growing children here, learning how our muscles and bones work.
Did you know that this year's Canada Day falls on a Wednesday? Take advantage of the holiday with Weird Canada's show at the Astoria, Tuesday, June 30th. Halifax bands Mono Myth and Nap Eyes team up with local favorites Energy Slime, Cave Girl, Supermoon, and Ace Martins to put on one heck of a show. Plus DJs Duncan McHugh and Jared Kay. Tickets are $8 and doors open at 8 p.m. So perfectly squeezed in between an ad touting the benefits of both acts playing there. Uh, we start off with Monomyth and Downer. And then we heard Vancouver's own Energy Slime with So Long Snakes of last year's super short album, New Dimensional. And both Monomyth and Energy Slime play, as we heard there, Tuesday, June 30th at the Astoria. Uh, I'll provide some additional information not covered by that ad. Uh, doors open at 8. I'm not sure how much tickets cost because they weren't posted on the poster. I'm not even sure if there is a cost. There may be a cover. I'll leave it to the intrepid concert goer to find out. But otherwise, uh, if you were expecting Faith Healer to be on the bill, they're no longer appearing. That is something that is completely subtitled on the posters I'm seeing, as well as the Facebook invitation that way. And this is new Cyrillic typewriter behind me, mixing up uh, the cinematic score angle with a little bit more rhythm from everything I've heard off of this album. It's called Best Suit. The track I'm talking over here is Twisted Rope. And uh, if you don't know this already, but and you're curious, the Cyrillic typewriter is one of the aliases used by Jason Zumpano. And he uses initials to run the jazz label. Now, one feature I almost forgot, and I think otherwise it may not fit into what's going on for the rest of the show. Otherwise, at the same time, too, I'm kind of speeding up the rest of the show since, well, I started late as I try to figure out the keys to this new car. Uh, the upcoming soundtrack releases. So this is your regular feature that talks about which albums will be uh, available. They'll be tied to films. And uh, at this point right now, we'll just keep it sort of short and sweet. Um, main thing that is popping out for the week of uh, June 29th and extends, of course, to the American Long Weekend, which usually is Blockbuster City. 
Uh, the H. Scott Salinas and Jackson Greenberg soundtrack to the film Cartel Land will be out. Otherwise, uh, for you fans of Channing Tatum, um, Magic Mike XXL, the soundtrack to that will be available through Water Tower of Music. And then Lauren Balf has taken the reins for the soundtrack of the latest part of the Terminator series for Terminator Genesis. That soundtrack will be available through Paramount Pictures. Otherwise, uh, as last week goes, well, there's Walter Murphy's music for Ted 2, when he's collaborated with a lot of Seth MacFarlane's work for Family Guy and all that. And I think he also helped out with South Park as well, too, for the huge musical moments. Otherwise, Trevor Rabin provided music to the Marine Dog film Max. And then Peter Gregson provided the music for the film A Little Chaos. You're listening to a lot of chaos here on Exploding Head Movies. You're broadcasting our new home in the nest. The nest, if you're curious, is about five feet away from the student union building, the old one. And it basically looks like a big spaceship with a big egg inside. Now, we were talking about jazz before, and perhaps you caught this next act playing at David Lamb Park yesterday as part of the International Jazz Festival. They'll be also opening for the Scott Act, The Slackers, on Canada Day at the Biltmore Cabaret. Doors open at 8. Tickets are $22 and a half starting. And on top of that, they will also be part of the Catalano Festival along West 4th Avenue on Saturday, June 11th, along with other acts like Yukon Blonde, Hot Panda, Louise Burns, The Courtney's, The Energy Slime we heard just now, Data Plan, just to name but a few. They are the Ballantines, representing East Van's Rock Soul Contingent, and somewhere there is talk of new materials, so perhaps they're including as part of their live experience right now. But we'll go back to 2013's Liquor Store, Gun Store, Pun Shop, Church EP. This will be the Valentine's with Black Magic, something I am casting upon here in our new home just to make things work or just damning myself from the consequence. The curse will not be upon you for the record.
Jars is hosting the first ever Clean Up the Ocean concert on Saturday, July 4th from noon to 8 p.m. at the Prospect Point picnic site in Stanley Park. Hear live music from the Green Seeds Music Society, Gabe and the Oyaz, the John Pippis Band, Tan and High, DJ Stamina, and more. Tickets are $50. Proceeds go to Cleaning Up the Ocean. Children and the differently abled get in free.
the nuances of new mixers. Or more specifically, mixers that have a hard crossfade at times. But that's enough about me and what I am failing to do right now. But uh, we heard another great Halifax act there. Kind of a double shot of two songs there bundled at one at the same time. Continuing on with the weird element of Nova Scotia and its psych folk. So from this year's Ode to Sleeping Brain, that was Quaker Parents, first off with Tact of Animals, and then I Don't See It. And the duo also played Sled Island in Calgary this past weekend, I believe playing with your, their buddies from Halifax Monomyth. And they managed to actually open up for Yola Tingo, of all things. They'll be joining their fellow Haligonians at the Goat Festival in Victoria, playing uh, Friday, July 3rd. But uh, on Canada Day, July 1st for you non-Dominion folks. They will be playing an in-store show at Red Cat Records along Main Street between 26th and 28th Street on the east side. Can't find a schedule yet, but I expect it to be in the afternoon. But you can always check Red Cat for more information that way. And Red Cat Records is a friend of CITR, so if you have, well, pledged during Fun Drive, or otherwise uh, stop by the station here, either its old home or our new home here, you can pick up a Friends of CITR card, and that gives you discounts in places such as Red Cat Records along with dozens of other fine local Vancouver establishments. Perhaps I'll dig up one of the promos talking where you can use your card that way. Now, the background here from their score to the recent David Fincher film, Gone Girl. This is Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross with Like Home. Something that we're establishing here in our new home. CITR. AMS Student Nest. We're in the lower level. If you want to swing by, you can look in on us. Whether we're screwing up and doing things properly that way. But at the very least, anytime we actually do have a chance to have a band play live here, we do have uh, glass doors that uh, snake open. And you can look from a natural concrete amphitheater. Still feels weird to have some concrete columns almost in the line of sight that way, but I think there's a chance to perhaps step out into, I guess, more of the foyer or the vestibule. Not quite the lobby, but, you know, you can come up with your own terminology for it to describe what's going on that way, but CITR is kind of front and center now here on UBC campus. We're no longer squirreled away on the second floor somewhere in a brick building. No, it's all glass and concrete and exposed wood and fancy beams. At some point, I'll talk more about some of the features here at the Student Nest at this point. It's kind of a soft launch in many ways. Not all the uh, AMS buildings are in place or businesses. I think some of the student union associations are setting up still. I know the climbing wall is totally in use. So if you're an avid climber of vertical surfaces, you have a chance and someone will belay you. Um, what do we have next? Well, we have new music from Grimes and Bleachers, or at least new for speaking of this year. it is. This is Grimes and Bleachers with Entropy.
What time are we on air?
Going back to 2009 there from Montreal. That was Tiga off of his album Ciao. That song was Shoes. I still need to properly digest his latest album, which I know features the track Bugatti. Featuring some other great cold synths, but uh, with a cheeky sense of humor that way. Kind of talking about an exotic life. Kind of talking about Electro Clash beforehand. He fit in the mold initially that way, but he always had a bit of a bigger sense of humor. At least I found that. Under the background here. This is the Space Rangers. This track is called Keep On Moving. It was the A-side to a 2009 12-inch. It actually is a re-edit of D-Train's 1982 song, Keep On, representing Brooklyn, New York. And at this point, we move on in time. You're listening to CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver here on unceded Musqueam territory. Broadcasting here on UBC campus to the community of Vancouver here in our new home at the AMS Student Nest. If you have a chance to basically walk by and explore, well, you can look in. You can actually find us for once. If you know where Pi Art Square is, well, you actually probably have to enter the building first to find out that way. But if you can find the pizzeria, which is in summer hours, so they're closed right now, but if you trust me where I'm going, as you watch as the natural concrete steps lead down to a focal point, we are that focal point. You can find CITR here. You can also find us on the web at www.citr.ca. CITR is on Facebook, on Twitter, at CITR Radio. My name is Gak. You can find me on Twitter as well, too, at 100air. And Exploding Head Movies is also on Facebook and Tumblr. Now, we will eventually get to James Horner since he is our profile in light of his uh, sudden and uh, recent passing, but... There are a couple other things in the acting world we should actually make note of here. And we'll start off with uh, Dick Van Patten. Not just a weird side joke from Wayne's World or cameoing in things like Spaceballs or different weird Al films or uh, videos that way. But uh, we probably know him best, at least those of us of a certain age, uh, as the patriarch Tom Bradford off the ABC television comedy slash drama It Is Enough based on a newspaper columnist's life with eight children living in Sacramento, California. So Diffgang Patton was born 1928 in Queens, New York, an actor, a businessman, and an animal wearful ad- well, welfare advocate. Animal wearful ad... Wow. Slowing it down even further. Animal welfare advocate. Actually, as I recall, he produced a whole bunch of organic pet food. And he definitely was a big sponsor of uh, shelters and whatnot that way. Uh, he died last Tuesday, June 23rd, in Santa Monica from complications to his long-term diabetes. And he was 86 years old. So we'll start off with the theme for It Is Enough. In uh, parlance, this is known as Arrangement B, and it represented the theme from the first two years of the TV series. This will be Fred Werner's theme from It Is Enough. And then we'll follow up with... Uh, the theme to a British TV series that has meant a lot to me since uh, its lead actor recently passed away as well, too.
We just heard Laurie Johnson and his orchestra there. First off with the main theme from The Avengers. And by me, this is The Avengers Tag. Sort of a denouement after an exciting episode featuring the 60s British spies dealing with mostly highly British situations. Murder, the upper class, silly dangers, all home threats, but Emma Peel, Kathy Gale, Tara King, all assisting the wonderful John Steed. And he was played by the actor Patrick McNee. May he rest in peace. He was born 1922 in Paddington, London. His mum divorced his father and wound up uh, meeting another woman, so he was raised by lesbians. Not typical in the 30s at all. He joined the Royal Navy, performed in West End, acted with Laurence Olivier in the 1948 performance of Hamlet, along with uh, the late, great Christopher Lee, equally late and equally great Peter Cushing, and then Patrick Troughton, otherwise known as the second Doctor Who. McNee moved to Toronto and acted alongside Christopher Plummer and William Shatner, I guess in Stratford. And in Canada, he actually met one of the producers for the 60s British TV series The Avengers. Originally, he was a hired goon to help someone find out what happened to his murdered wife. But he evolved into the dashing proper gentleman with a very flirty relationship with a succession of very tough, independent-minded women from Honor Blackman, Diana Rigg, Linda Thorson, and Joanna Lumley. He moved to California in the 70s, appeared in Colombo, and he narrated Battlestar Galactica. He died this past Thursday at the age of 93. And we'll move into a recent movie death here next on Exploding Head Movies. Whoever said money can't buy you friends obviously wasn't a member at CITR. When you become a member, you get the Friends of CITR card with incredible discounts in the Main Street area at... Antisocial Skateboard Shop, Devil May Wear, Lucky's Comics, Neptune Records, RX Comics, Red Cat Records, the Regional Assembly of Texts, the Wallflower Modern Diner, and Woo Vintage Clothing. To find out more, visit us in room 233 of the sub on the UBC campus or go online to citr.ca. that the word jazz means many different things to many different people. So check out the real deal on The Jazz Show at CITR, 101.9 FM or CITR.ca for live streaming. Yours truly, Gavin Walker, is your host, and I guarantee the straight goods of three hours of jazz at its finest. So come on by and give your ears a musical workout, 9 p.m. Mondays. Don't miss it. Hello, everybody. You are listening to 101.9 FM in Vancouver, CITR. In the background here, this is James Horner along with the London Symphony Orchestra with the main theme to the 1994 film Legends of the Fall. An epic drama directed by Edward Zwick, starring Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins, Aidan Quinn, Julia Roman, and Henry Thomas. Based on a 1979 novella 
of the same name by Jim Harrison, about three brothers and their father living in a remote wilderness, I believe Montana as it was in the early 20th century, and how all the wonderful things like nature and history and war and love impact them. And James Horner will be our profile here for most of the rest of the show. Somewhat truncated because this guy, well, I'm a slow study. But, you know, I remember my first show on CITR, ooh, <laughs> seven and a half years ago, back when everything was up, you know. Yes, I had to use both my crutches because I had the sciaticers and the rheumatiz. Um, don't even know where I was going with that, and I've, like, completely derailed my thought stream. But, yeah, I remember my first show. I think the first half hour was played in double mono as I was trying to figure out how things worked that way. But, um... Uh, yeah, we're doing a little bit better here. But anyways, let's talk about James Horner. Born 1953 in L.A., the son of Jewish parents. And uh, originally, he had wanted to be, you know, basically just a uh, concert hall composer. And he actually did quite well with being accomplished that way. But unfortunately, as is the style, at least at the time, there wasn't really much demand for it. But there was always some demand, at least, to make music for a cinema so he had done some work uh, with uh, Roger Corman, the great B-film director and producer. And uh, some conflicting information, because he did some work for the AFI uh, documentary teams. But uh, his either his first film score was for the 1979 film The Lady in Red, or then the crazy Star Wars knockoff Battle Beyond the Stars. But uh, it was during that time he was able to establish himself as a mainstream composer. And then, well, he worked on the 1982 film Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan. And that's something I definitely will likely profile later in the year. Might sort of combine it with uh, Jerry Goldsmith's work on the first Star Trek motion picture. Seems like I've played a lot of Star Trek music for you. At some point, i got to do the Star Wars one myself, too. But uh, let's listen to some of the selections from Legends of the Fall before I go more into Horner and his life. And uh, we'll start off with uh, probably the most sweeping track there is, The Ludlows, before we go into a longer piece that way. This will be James Horner and the London Symphony Orchestra. Stay tuned. We will be listening to two other of Horner's scores that way. You're listening to Exploding Hymn Movies here. My name is Gak. This is CITR 101.9 FM in Vancouver.
So from James Horner's score to the 1995 film Legends of the Fall, we first heard the Ludlows and then the little bit of something. I'd say it'd be a spoiler in name, but again, the movie's been out for over 20 years. And it is Legends of the Fall. That was Samuel's death. And I'm speaking over a little bit more synthesized track off the soundtrack called Revenge. Now, Horner was one of the main proponents for introducing some other elements into uh, film score. Along with uh, integrating choral and electronic elements, similar to what we're listening to here. And we'll definitely actually get choral with the next one. He has a use of uh, frequently of motifs associated with Celtic music. I'm getting a little pan flute action here. And he definitely was always tied into uh, kind of the uh, indigenous peoples as well, too. And we'll actually talk about the influence that his Celtic music had on a subsequent film. But uh, for now, let's talk about uh, the next uh, score we'll profile here. This will be from the 2001 American biographical drama, A Beautiful Mind. Telling the story of John Nash, Nobel laureate in economics. It's directed by Ron Howard from a screenplay written by Akiva Goldsman. And it's based on the Pulitzer Prize-nominated book of the same name by Sylvia Nassar. And it starred Russell Crowe as John Nash, along with Ed Harris, Jennifer Connelly, Paul Bettany, and a host of others. And uh, it starts from the early years of the young prodigy Nash. He was an American mathematician. He basically gave the contributions to game theory, differential geometry, and partial differential equations. But uh, the idea of sort of dealing with almost chance and decision-making inside complex systems in daily life. So you think about uh, game theory specifically, which became a topic in the 80s and 90s. But also Nash uh, suffered from uh, paranoid schizophrenia and uh, suffering from delusional episodes and how it affected his life. Now, there's a bit of an eerie parallel at play with John Nash's actual life and what happened with uh, James Horner. He wasn't in a plane himself, but uh, they had just left the airport on May 23rd earlier this year, Nash and his wife, Alicia, And while riding in a taxi, they were killed in a motor vehicle accident in New Jersey. Nash was 86 years old. Alicia, 82. But going back to James Horner, he frequently collaborated with Ron Howard. And it's interesting to see a mix of uh, some of the directors that he worked with at this point. Because uh, along with working with uh, James Cameron, who we're about to hear from Aliens, mostly due to the connections with Roger Corman, where he started off with, there was also like Walter Hill, Producers like Steven Spielberg, John Landau. And, uh, yeah, he had worked with Ron Howard as well, too. And uh, for the soundtrack to A Beautiful Mind, uh, Warner decided to use some vocals, kind of reminiscent between midway between a girl and a woman. And he wrote the score specifically for Welsh singer Charlotte Church, who at the time was a young kind of operatic prodigy. Unfortunately, now I think the British press treaters just... Yet another bit of tabloid fodder. And uh, Church was actually going on record saying it was one of the most haunting and beautiful things she had ever performed. And Horner was inspired by the kaleidoscope to convey the beauty of mathematics. So listen to those elements as we listen to the piano and then uh, these sort of like girl-slash-woman voices as well, too. So we'll start off with Charlotte Church here from A Beautiful Mind, All Love Can Be, and then we'll listen to a couple James Horner uh, instrumental tracks here. And then we'll talk a little bit about Beautiful Mind and then some of the controversy about James Horner's music.
So, from his Oscar Nyrod soundtrack to the 2001 film A Beautiful Mind, we were James Horner there. First with Charlotte Church singing All Love Can Be, then A Kaleidoscope of Mathematics, and that sort of languid piece we just heard was The Car Chase. And I'm speaking over the closing credits. The film itself won four Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Adapted Screenplay, and the Best Supporting Actress for Jennifer Connelly. Horner's score did garner some nominations, up for both the Golden Globe and then Academy Award for Best Original Score, but he lost both. Golden Globe to Moulin Rouge and the Oscar to the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Music critics always felt that the musical scores that he provided fit the film well, but... A lot of people believed it was reminiscent of Horner's other films. Uh, some people thought the score contained elements of previous films like 1992's Sneakers and 1999's Bicentennial Man. So they said that if you can forgive it, it was clever, masterful, romantic. But Horner had been criticized often in the past for writing film scores that incorporated passages from earlier compositions, if not then brief excerpts or reworked themes from other classical composers. So for instance, from Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, there's some bits uh, from Alexander Nevsky's Romeo and Juliet, both by Prokofiev, and then things like Willow, which uh, had a theme that was based on Robert Schumann's Rhenish Symphony. So there's always elements of Wagner and Orff, but you can basically claim that for many composers for films, because honestly, they have the worst deadlines ever, because basically the film is almost edited to the bitter end before it actually has to be previewed. And then basically, you know, within two weeks' time, they have to write all the music to fit in. If something's re-edited, they have to do the music over again. And it definitely was something that uh, popped up for his work for the film. Well, we'll close off our profile with here, Aliens from 1986. In that case, Horner was only given about six weeks' time, of which three weeks were waiting for the editor to actually come up with some music that way. So in the end, Horner honestly had about four days to come up with the music at Abbey Road Studios, along with the London Symphony Orchestra. And uh, despite that, director James Cameron took that score, kind of chopped it up in different places, took it out of sequence, and then reused bits from uh, the original Alien film from 1979 for some of the music. But somehow, despite all that, Horner received an Academy Award nomination, his first for Best Original Score, although, of course, he didn't win. We'll talk about some of the work that Horner and Cameron had at the time because the conflict with that thought they'd never work again. Uh, but then somehow they wound up working on perhaps the biggest soundtrack ever and then some recent stuff that also pulled in a billion dollars. But prepare to get spooky here, especially with some of the influences with Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey since... Uh, Aram Kachaturian's Guyane Ballet Suite was an influence. So we'll start off with the main theme from Aliens, and we'll just get even further darker. So check your closet for xenomorphs.
So from his Oscar-nominated soundtrack to Aliens from 1986, we continue adventures of Ellen Ripley. And some extraterrestrials that uh, basically have acid for blood and every other sort of gory bit there that you don't want. We start off with the main title from Aliens, then we heard two ambient pieces there, The Complex and then The Queen. And then uh, we heard a cue that is used so frequently for film trailers, Bishop's Countdown. And as I said, uh, Aliens earned a Horner's first Academy Award in nomination in 1987. And also, he was nominated that year for Best Original Song for his work from An American Tale, the ubiquitous Somewhere Out There. And as Horner indicated, his scoring sessions for Aliens was quite highly stressful. And at some point, he thought he would never work with director James Cameron again after such a nightmare. But over time, despite all the production issues and working that way, uh, Cameron had listened to the highly Gaelic score that Horner provided for the 1995 film Braveheart. And he asked to work with Horner again for his new film. So in 1997, he did perhaps the best-selling orchestral film soundtrack of all time, Titanic, for which he won two Oscars, one for Best Original Score and then for Best Original Song with the ubiquitous Celine Dion song, My Heart Will Go On. He also actually worked with Cameron then again for Avatar, another huge grossing film that way. Horner composed music for 100, over 100 films. He won the two Academy Awards I talked about there. He was nominated eight other times. And Horner died recently when his single-engine aircraft crashed in the Los Padres National Forest in California. And he was just 61. And uh, he'd recently written music for the Jean-Jacques Annault adventure film Wolf Totem. And uh, he was actually going to be tied to uh, the forthcoming film The 33, and then something called Southpaw. So he actually still has a couple film scores due out soon before we don't hear much from him. So that's going to be it for Exploding Head Movies this week. Coming up shortly, it is Gavin Walker with The Jazz Show. Barnaby was hoping he'd bring his uh, saxophone again since uh, he led the Saints from the old sub to the student nest here. You know, the perfect's going to write a passage at that point from like microphone to another like a baton. Anyways, uh, next week I will not be here, so I'm going to try to figure out if I can pre-record something since it uh, looks like Studio B is operational here. So I have some ideas for some long-form music. Otherwise, um, I'll ask for a helpful fill-in to work that way. Otherwise, barring any additional sudden announcements, uh, we're going to look at Johnny Jewell's music for the recent film Lost River, perhaps the techno film Man from Tomorrow, the recent Niles Frum's work for Victoria, so we shall see. Otherwise, we'll close with uh, something to segue nicely into the jazz show. The American composer, conductor, horn player, author, historian, jazz musician Gunther Schuller passed away recently. She was June 21st. He died of complications from leukemia at the age of 89. Looks like uh, there'll be a soundtrack profile off vinyl in honor of Mr. Schuller, who had worked with Frank Sinatra, Miles Davis, and Dizzy Gillespie in the past. So we'll go from uh, 1975's Footlifters, A Century of American Marches, Listen to them basses. And before I forget, in the background here, from Calgary, this is Velisca off the recent album Shifts. This is Shoe Swap. So take care of yourselves, Vancouver. Hopefully we were able to handle this uh, relatively bumpy show here. But uh, imagine this first week here at CITR's new home at The Nest. We have to iron some kinks out. You know, the drywall dust is still floating around. The paint fumes are still in the air. And uh, things are still being wired right now. I see one of the techs, Evan, catching a breath there on the new CITR lounge couch. But you should stop by, especially as we get some more events going on here. It should be a fun new home. Anyways, 
Take care. And happy Canada Day. Before I forget, prepare yourselves. There's going to be a leap second before Canada Day starts. Your attention, please. At the recommendation of the International Time Bureau, commencing at 23 hours, 59 minutes, 60 seconds UTC, an extra second will be inserted into the NBS time scale. This adjustment is required to maintain internationally coordinated universal time as broadcast from these stations in close agreement with UT1 or astronomical time. You are, of course, listening to CITR-FM 101.9 or also on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show with Gavin Walker coming right up. Do you 